Hi, I'm Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. On any given day, more than 2 million people are behind bars across the United States. That's the highest percentage for any country on earth. This is the third show in Victory Over Sin, and it is sponsored by Systemic Change of Idaho. What we're attempting to do with Systemic Change of Idaho is to address issues that those of us who have been incarcerated and have returned to the community, we have issues and problems, and we'd like to make those easier for people like myself and for the people who are following us out of incarceration. The former director, uh, Mr. Kemp, used to say 97% of the people out there in the desert south of town are going to be released, and we'd like to make things easier for them, and I think that's the truth. So this is what Systemic Change of Idaho does. Victory Over Sin in this show will be one of those factors that hopefully makes that work. We're going to do that in a format by interviewing people who uh, certainly have influence and can help us build a strong coalition of people who will address those issues. Um, today we'll meet a man who helped us get this initial funding. I'm excited about that, and that'll be a little bit later in the show. But for your standpoint, let's give a little bit more background on Systemic Change of Idaho. We are at this point a group of people about 50%, maybe 60% of those people who are incarcerated themselves have been at some point in time. And what we're doing is putting together an agenda of issues that we will address as a group. We're going to go forward and make that public in a more general sense, probably in late January, the first part of February. We'll have a community meeting. We'll invite people in. What we'll be looking for are people who have been incarcerated, who are willing to take the mantle and come forward and share specific issues that we'll have for them. It'll be in a PowerPoint setting, hopefully some YouTube videos to support that, social media-wise. And we'll go out and we'll talk to groups. We'll talk to churches. We'll talk to service groups. We'll talk to HR directors. And we'll talk about the issues that affect us. And that's the design of Systemic Change of Idaho. Another design of that, obviously, is to have this show every week. And so we'll get to interview people who are key in that situation. It's been a powerful week for me. And um, this new taping kind of keeps... Uh, let's see, my mind focused on what we need to do and the directions we need to go. So that's been exciting and looking forward to it. We also had a couple things happen that are really exciting this week in terms of the work that we do is um, I got to go out to Max, my former home, for five years this year, this week. On Tuesday, myself and several of the volunteers for the organization that I direct, which is called IMSI Hope Community Phase 2, uh, we got to go out and deliver cookies to Max. And it was very powerful. We had carloads of cookies, and that's a yearly event for that has gone on for about a decade now. And we got to take that over and kind of be in charge of it. Got to have many churches that represented where we collected all the cookies, and we took them out there. So there's a special thanks to many of those churches. Uh, seems like I probably should give you the names of most of those, but the ones who stepped up and who were initially on board certainly were Ten Mile Christian, Common Ground Biker Church, Vertical Church, um, Nampa Church of the Prophecy, and my friend Dave Browning. Uh, there were tons of churches. Uh, Cloverdale Church, Mr. Tom Doherty, who's on this radio station, stood up in a big, big way. A new church called Revive. We had a good group of people come out and do it. And so what we did as those volunteers today, this week, was to take those cookies out to Max. And it was powerful. The 1.5 of us who had driven cars out there 
were walking up to the front door of maximum security prison. I think above the five of us, all of us had lived there at one point in time, and I was the only one that had been upstairs, out, walked out that door because I paroled from Max. The rest of them had paroled from other institutions. So at one point, we have to go through a gate, and the gate closes behind you, and you're waiting for another gate to open electronically. And all five of us were sitting there thinking, wow, is this weird feeling or is this a weird feeling? But the other gate did open, and they let us in, and they looked at us like, yeah, yeah, I remember you guys. And it was a very, very positive situation for all. We got to take pictures of a lady who uh, was a sergeant when we were in there, is now Deputy Warden Kirtley. And she was nice enough to take a picture with us and with the VRC, the man who helped coordinate all this stuff, Mr. Um, Doug Segali. <laughs> Doug Segali uh, was there. And so we got to bring carts and carts and carts of cookies in and load them in. It was a very powerful thing. And I want to thank the people who went out there with me. It was very interesting for all of us and a very delightful day. The other thing that happened this week, which I am really excited about, too, is as we go forward, we're talking about certainly perhaps a conference in the spring with with a major speaker, but we're looking to gain some support for a trainer to come help train our trainers. And I got to speak with representatives of Mr. Gordy Graham, who, if you're out there in the desert, you know Gordy Graham as a name. He wrote Baking Barriers and designed it. We watched those tapes and those stories over and over again, and I got to speak with representatives of his organization, his new organization, and himself. Gordy Graham, we didn't know at the time, is a very strong Christian too. And so he's excited about being involved in helping us. And so there'll be a point in which he gets to come down and kind of share with some of us the techniques because he was used to, the quote, one of the quotes he used to say was he, he was incarcerated himself. And he said he was incarcerated in the prison that they liked it so much they named it twice. He was incarcerated for a long time at Walla Walla of the state of Washington, and he was eventually pardoned by a governor there in Washington for all his stuff. And by his description, he was not a pleasant man. So he's going to be involved in our efforts, and we're looking forward to that in the future too. Uh, let's see, what else happened this week? This week we've got our new time slot, so we're excited about our new time slot. We're still reaching out to um, try to find Nicole Bear Kinney. Anybody out there knows Nicole Bear Kinney? Uh, have her respond to my inquiries because she wrote a great article on Idaho on parole. And we're trying to find her because it'll be interesting to see somebody that took a, just a, an empirical look at the situation of difficulties. She worked with people at Corpus Christi House in terms of them transitioning back and getting IDs, etc. And it'll be interesting to have her. We're trying to get her on the show. And see what else we're working on. And also working on a, um, a lady who has agreed to come on the show early in January. She's an expert in housing in terms of rental housing for a major corporation downtown. And she's going to come on and talk about the difficulties that we have as felons when we have to check a blank that says we're a felon on a major housing issue because there's only a 2% vacancy rate in the Treasure Valley. And so if we check that box felon and we may give them money to have a, do a credit check on us, then it always comes back negative that we're not available. So the housing's an issue and we'll bring in her. We're excited about her coming in and we're looking forward to different kinds of people. We'll have some surprises as we go along the way. Hope this is a place you will tune into and grow with us as we go forward. We will be addressing many of the issues that uh, affect us. If you are excited about this and you want to be involved, you can only certainly reach out to me. I'm the director of an agency called IMSI Hope Community Phase 2. Our address is 1775 West State Street, and that's in Boise, Idaho, 83702. Telephone number is area code 
629-8861. We also have a office in Pier Wellness Center, which is on Orchard, 963 South Orchard, Suite 101. You can stop in there. We have an office there. Leave a message for us there. And also under the banner of my nonprofit, we do have a recovery meeting there that meets on Tuesday and Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock in that building. And that, of course, is called Victory Over Sin. So we look forward to that. That's how to contact us. Uh, we'll get on with the show in terms of talking to my associate here. Hey, listen, I'm excited. I get to talk to a friend of mine who um, certainly made systemic change of Idaho possible, perhaps. We'll probably talk about that. But welcome to uh, the uh, show. Mr. Uh, Michael Gallagher. Michael Gallagher, I would say, would be the former director of uh, Southwest uh, St. Vincent de Paul. Former president. Former president. Okay. Okay. So you want to explain why you're the former president and kind of well, this what is, you're doing now? and it, The society limits presidential uh, terms to six years. Right. They really feel strongly that you can become stale. Right. New people should come in and... And, uh, produce new ideas and get new things going. So I finished my six years, uh, 1st of October, mm-hmm. and a lady named Misty Hawkins, whose husband used to coach some football around here, That's right. was elected. But then... She's right. And she's such a, she is such a neat lady, too. It's uh, like, I know that when we, at least... From, I can always speak from a personal standpoint. I thought, man, you're leaving? And then she comes in, and she's such a delight. She really yeah. was such a delight, or is such a delight. problem is he took a job coaching UC Davis, so mm. they're leaving. Yes. And we've, we have a vice president named Jack Dahl, who is stepping up, at least in the interim, mm-hmm. to uh, run the organization. But we really are we're all volunteer. And when you work six years at a job like that, it, it's time for a change. Yeah, it really is. Now, I haven't left the society, but I'm trying to work on starting groups in smaller communities. Even if we were not in Boise, there would still be some outreach. Mm-hmm. But you go to some of the smaller communities, and there is, there's no... You go to Mountain Home, Twin Falls, there's, there's not even shelters in those places. no place for these people to go, and it was cold. I, yeah, I think, too, the uh, last couple of, since this has happened, I've kind of watched, there's an excitement about, in your voice, in your energy, about how going off and doing that, too. I think that, is that true, or is that just something nice? Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, that's pretty exciting. You get to start all that stuff. Because you started, you started our reentry conference, which uh, some of the people might know, the reentry conference from St. Vincent de Paul is where I met. Mr. Gallagher, he started, he along with um, Mr. Glegos started uh, that conference. Yep. First of all, Mr. Gallagher is Mr. Gallagher. buried at Morris Hill Cemetery. Okay, Mike's people, here. <laughs> people call me Mr. Rennick, and I have trouble with it too. So. Interestingly, that's the era in which you and I yeah, were raised. Yeah. Interestingly, Dick Gallegos, or Gallegos, uh, anglicized, was the Dawson Prison Ministry leader for many years. And we got to know each other when I first assumed the presidency of St. Vincent. And he was really uh, trying to find a way to help people once they left prison. Uh, He felt like they were just uh, tossed out on the streets and really had no place to go, unless they had family that they still 
had a relationship with, and some did, some didn't. And we cast around with ideas for quite a while. Finally, decided we would start a normal conference, uh, a conference in the St. Vincent de Paul. Uh, nomenclature is not a meeting; it's a small working group. Mm-hmm. That almost like almost like I always liken it to a nonprofit, almost set status. Yeah. Most of them work out of parishes and 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 work in that local geographical area. This one we designed to work in the whole Treasure Valley to deal with uh, returning citizens coming out of mostly the IDOC. Mm-hmm. A few of them come from other places. And when we started, I asked Dick, I said, well, it's kind of a unique thing. You have to find people who understand the situation. Uh, if I send Millie and Mabel out to help them they can probably get them some clothing vouchers and things but they don't have the expertise and the background to really coach them and help them Mm -hmm. tell them what they need to do and how it is out here he said i have some people and he found people like you mark antonio ruberina deborah servadius several others and we started. You don't mention Dory Sword's name. You're going to be in real trouble. Okay, you're Dory, Dory I'm mentioning you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, and we're interestingly, most of our conferences are ninety to hundred percent Roman Catholic lay people, but this is not. This is a unique situation in which we have people from many different faith communities: uh, LDS, mm-hmm. Ten Mile vineyard a number of different churches because we felt like i think everybody felt like we needed a corridor or a place in which to work and and we couldn't all do it we couldn't do it alone so combining our forces has really been quite effective Mm. and i think too over um three and a half years i suppose we've been doing that uh I, i can speak from my personal experience that because i get to see two or three people who are uh, being released, returning citizens, and we get to see them every week. And it, it's powerful to be able to go out and do that and to inter- interact with those people, offer them some support in terms of rent, in terms of clothes or bus pass, et cetera. And those are the kinds of things that that group does. Uh, and if you're certainly interested in that, you know, uh, contact St. Vincent de Paul, talk to Mike or talk to me or contact the station here, and we'll, we'll set you up for that. But I think the cool thing about that, the most exciting thing about that, was we started having some success. And I think... Uh, we say we use the statistic that a thousand people were released to Region Four uh, of the Parole Region uh, last year, and this little group saw 450 of them. So that's a trainload of people that we've got out, and we've got a good reputation. Yep. But building upon that success, then you took that success and kind of went to the powers that be on a national level. And let's talk about how you did that in terms of connecting up okay. with Paul and stuff. But just want to back up for a moment before sure. I get into that. The greatest thing we bring to these people, and we go to, and we go to see them where they are. We don't Absolutely. ask them to come to an office. That's a good point. Is that we're showing them that someone cares about them, mm-hmm. and many of these folks, they're in the situation that they are because no one did care about them, or if they did, they used them, or they were just not good influences. Now, when when two people come to see you and say we care enough about you. To come to your home or your place of residence and and see what we can do to help you, 
it's it's an uplift. It it gives you some thought of maybe I am worth saving. Maybe I am a better person than than the pardon and parole board makes me out to be. Right. So that that's just a point I wanted to make. The, the love. No, no, and, I, I, I totally. It's it's just a very valid point, and I'm glad you reminded me of it because I think that's the the most impactful thing is that you do see in these guys' eyes the desperation because of the things that are facing them, and those are the things that we will talk about on this show uh, in terms of housing, in terms of the things that are stacked against them. But you get to say, hey, we're there, and uh, we offer you some support, and then we always end it by doing a prayer with them, mm-hmm. whether they participate or whether they don't. But it, it shows um, where we're coming from and that we really care for them, and that's yeah. that's very powerful. So, Very few refu- refuse the prayer. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. You know, they, one guy told me one day at dinner, I asked, you know, we any dining hall, I said, would someone like to lead the uh, blessing? And a fellow stood up and said, I haven't prayed in years, but I'm willing to do this. And, you know, everybody was thrilled by his, his statement. And I think it's... Uh, they have to feel if they're around people like Mark and the rest of the, the group that it's not embarrassing to pray. It's comfortable to it pray. Is, it is. Well, and that's a, a, the thing that we would preach. This is certainly a Christian radio station. So we would be talking about uh, the need to have a direct relationship with your maker and a personal relationship. So right. we encourage that for sure. And that's yeah. great. So get us to how you met Paul and how systemic change came about, because I think you're going to get the the credit from here forward and going forward, because I think systemic change will be very, very dramatic change for uh, Idaho, and we're going to do great things with it. But you linked us up credibility-wise from our little domain down here in southwest Idaho to a national level. Well, I was uh, was at a national meeting a couple of years ago, maybe three and mention was made of a Catholic Campaign for Human Development, which is the bishop's organization, making a big grant to the society nationally to propagate some things in five middle, Midwest and Eastern cities. And what they were trying to do was build an advocacy uh, committee that could speak from experience of the uh, returning offenders to legal or legal entities like the Congress, Senate and the House, uh, city councils, people that had some ability to change uh, what's going on. The whole system is built on okay, here we are, why did we get there? How did we get there? How can we prevent other people from getting here? Uh, so we approached uh, the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, a, a fellow named Paul Graham, who's the liaison between the bishops and the National Society, and told him what we were doing that we would like to do, and they have been supportive of us. So I guess maybe we are the sixth city. Yeah, we are the sixth state. I think the sixth entity. Yeah. Yeah, so it's good. So we're we're applying for uh, more grants. We have established and are continuing to establish a committee of a mixture of people who are uh, ex-offenders, some who have been around the system, some who are related into the churches, but a group that has experience with this 
situation, uh, being prison and release and all the other stuff that goes with it, and saying, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Legislator, uh, this is how we got here. This is maybe what you could do to pre- prevent it or mediate it or lessen it or help us build a program that not only treats them as they come out, but helps prevent them from going there. Yep, exactly. And I, it's, it's an understatement to say that it's, it's ignited some real great dialogue and people are excited about this process. And it's exciting to kind of go forward. And, you know, we will always... Um, Give you some credit for for starting that out with us. That would, well, I the real you, so much. you know the real credit goes back to Dick Gallegos, who uh, is uh, I don't want to be demeaning or anything, but Dick is not a genius, but he has the heart mm-hmm. to grasp a problem and keep working it and working it and working it until he solves it. Yep. He doesn't, you know... Tenacity. Oh, yeah, tenacity. Zeal. Zeal's a good word. And he just won't give up. He's retired now and and not very active, but he's also older than Mark and I. That's right, man. (laughs) If if you could see a picture of this, you'd say, yeah, that guy's old. Yeah, so that's... uh, But that's cool. But he was was the instigator. And and, uh, our relationship with the... uh, with the national advocate has been very good and uh, it's not something built overnight but we've been working on it and we have brought some interesting people into the p- picture yeah it actually and I, like i said i'm real excited about it it's uh when the church that nominated me to be involved with this uh i thought wow what in the world is this but it has really blossomed into something that has been very very powerful in my life and i'm excited about it so it, but it brings me to back to something I've seen from you that if you don't mind addressing that I've been watching for you over the last couple of months. And he's nothing good about Mike. You can ask him anything and he's okay with it. Even though we're on the air, I'd love this. Transparency. Stuff. Transparency is the way it needs to be. I, if I can say anything to you out there, you're listening. Just be honest and be forthright in what you're feeling. The world is going to be your oyster if you can do that. So, But what I've seen in you, which is really unique because, again, we come at it from different perspectives. You're Catholic and I'm not. And what I hear you talking about more and more is the, the the Holy Spirit in your life, and you talk about that in a way that is real powerful for a person who who would calls himself a Catholic. And I I love the way you do that, and I want to reinforce that, I guess. And talk a little bit about because I think I know where it happened at a retreat, and I think that's very powerful, and uh, I appreciate it. And that's one of the things I really like about you in the last couple of months that's come about. And I think by following that, I, I argue that that maybe you will now be even more successful than you've been. Well, I think uh, many of us tend to be passive Christians. Mm-hmm. We go to church, and we believe in these things. And, and if asked, we'll say, yes, we believe in it. But I really uh, I retired from real life and became a retiree and a volunteer. I realized that uh, the Lord wants us not only to believe in him and his uh, mission, but but to take on missions of our own. Uh, faith without good works to me is, is dead. I was, uh, I've used this term before, I was a practicing Catholic for many years. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. I practiced at it, but I wasn't very good. But once I got into the spiritual activity of, of this society, which is based on spirituality, uh, the, the works we do are secondary to our spiritual growth. Uh, I begin to fa- find out what the Lord had in mind for me. And I laid in bed early one morning trying to say, how did I get from my former active er- money-earning life to where I am now? And I realized that God had dragged me through life to different things. I worked in a number of different areas. It kind of as a training, getting mm-hmm. me ready. And I really believe that... Uh, the spirit, uh, I think you, the spirit grows in you if you let it grow. If you continue to, to uh, be passive, the spirit is not going to overtake you and kick you in the seat. But if you're willing to try something, you're willing to, to take this little step, that step becomes, the next step becomes easier. I, uh, I believe that... Uh, we're destined to to uh, we're not complete until the day before we die we're we're a growth project all our lives that that think hopefully the lord is working with yeah. and uh, leading us there i really uh, i've grown so much since i got involved with society because it's given me such hands-on relationships with people and and watch them cry, and I cry with them. And I always said the best home visit is when you're all crying when it's over. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, I'd, like I said, I, I appreciate you, and I hope uh, I appreciate you letting me kind of push that with you because, I, again, I think it's one of the greatest things that I've seen in you lately. And I think that's the thing that we need to talk about as we're as Christians. So thank you, my friend. I am excited about the future and uh, what we're going to do together. And you're the money guy that I always go to when we kind of need <laughs> stuff. I love it. He doesn't like me to call him the money guy. But it's really pretty special. And I think that uh, I thank you for what you've done for me. And uh, I thank you for the people who are returning citizens for the work that we're going to do in the future because you're a good soul, sir. Uh, thank you very much. If you're listening to my voice out there and this is the first time you've heard it and you're excited by some of the things that you could you have learned you can connect with us you can call us here at the station ask for mark or you can contact me in care of my nonprofit and my nonprofit is called IMSI Hope Community Phase 2 and uh, the address there is 1775 West State Street number 191 and that's in Boise Idaho 83712 You've been listening to Victory Over Sin with Mark Rennick on 94.1 The Voice. Done? Done with you? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I thought it'd be more pain than it was.